Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. And I'm your partially vaccinated co-host, Till. Congratulations. Yes. RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, and vaccinate into the void. Oh my god, if we could, that'd be hilarious. About various just, aspects just start of D&D. spraying syringes all over this bitch. I don't think it works like that. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast. An update for anybody who's not listening on Google because you can't hear me. I've tried to figure out the Google thing. I don't know why Google Podcast isn't updating. I'm working on it. It's it, There's not a lot I can do. If anybody Google. has troubleshooting they can help me with, please tell me. Or if you own Google. <clears throat> What's the guy who owns Alpha, who runs Alphabet? Alphabet? I have no idea. Bet CEO. Uh, Sundar Pichai. Yep, that guy. Is the Indian American business executive and CEO of Alphabet. My guy. Google. You know, what do you what do you even own if you own Google? You own the algorithm? I mean, yeah, you know, Google has a huge, you know, marketing and advertising presence. So yeah. <clears throat> imagine having invented Google. Uh you know, I often think about all kinds of stuff like that. And I feel like I would just I'd go back to like the early 1900s and invent something simple that would be used that that like still gets used so that i could just pass the money on throughout the lifetimes and then when i come back to you know if i left from right now and invented the thing and then i just transported myself back to this time i am therefore super rich as i've passed it through various holdings and the only downside with simple inventions from them is really incredibly challenging to like get ownership and money from those because they would just be reproduced so easily. Yes. Right. You need to be like a, a train or oil tycoon in the 1900s. Um, I was actually thinking about inventing plastic. Yeah. Like mass that, produced that's plastic. That requires a so like, much beforehand though. Like the refining Teflon of oil and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, something wasn't like that. The, wasn't that the seventies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably like on a mass produced scale, but just like, I don't know. I, I I'm st- I'm still workshopping it, and of course, building the time machine. When plastic invent? Oh wow, this has a key breakthrough. It was in 1907 to create the first plastics. There we go. Huh. Well, so yeah, yeah I figure they used plastics in like military packaging, World War One and World War Two. So I thought those were mostly like tin foil. There were there was tin and you know metals and stuff, but there was definitely plastic stuff too. See, I would just go back to about 2004 slash five and invest in Netflix. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or just go back to the '90s, invest in Yahoo, and get out. Amazon, before it dies. Google, any yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, just imagine all the stock tips that you could just make all the money on. Anyways, this is our podcast about time travel. It's applicable. You know, I wish that applicable I could. Or applicable. 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 I, I think it's one of the ones that you can just say, you know, either way, and it works. Tomato. Tomato. Yeah, exactly. Potato. Potato. Neither. Neither. Let's call the whole thing off. Exactly. <laughs> um. Anyways, I haven't figured out the Google thing. I'm working on it. Calm down. Calm down. But if if I could go back in time, are we gonna do this for a little couple long, a little bit longer? And we are okay. Play this campaign we're about to talk about. I'd be happy. Oh. I enjoy. I don't know if I would, because I, I, I would enjoy t- playing it. I would hate DMing it. I would have to go back really far in time in order to finish it and still get to this point in my life. See, and we're not even talking about the long one. This is the short campaign that we are going to talk about. So, 
That's saying, I, I, and you know, I haven't finished reading all of them yet, but I have to say, there's a lot more in pre-made campaigns than I thought there was. So, <clears throat> hi everybody, welcome to Princess of the Apocalypse. Yeah. Spoilers for Princess of the Apocalypse. Yes, now's a, the time to leave. Uh, we'll finish up in about 40 minutes with more time travel talk. A D&D adventure that takes you from level about 3 to about 15. Yes. You can start at level 1, but I advise against it. I mean, unless you want to start in a chapter. It's like, you know, the, I think it's a perfect analogy. If you want to start at level one, you actually get to start in chapter six instead of, you know, chapter one where you probably should start. So, yeah, that's yes. a good sign so to not do it. This is the smaller of the adventures in this series or like tale or whatever. Yeah, this is definitely one of the shorter ones we're going to review. And this so. is 255 pages. And honestly, most of the adventure is fit within about 180 of those. Yes, there is a entire section on monsters, spells, races, um, items, um, side quests. So uh, a lot. So they really pack this one in. Like this is the this is the like extra thick peanut butter of adventures. Like the more you get into it, the harder it is to finish. So I would tell everybody in going to this right now, as much as we say spoilers, we're not going to get nearly into everything in this adventure. Yeah. Like I have a ton of notes, but there's no way I have everything. No, there's no, there's no way, right? There's so much in this. Um, just starting with the beginning of the adventure in how your characters get here. So, you know, I I like I how do I say this? I take it back. I don't like at all two things. One, how faction focused this yes. campaign is and how it forces PCs into specific groups. Uh and two, uh we'll get we'll talk more about chapter in a second, but the massive history lesson that is essentially half of chapter two Huge. it's just a bit much the amount like, of back information in this book is astounding like tolkien would have been very proud of this pre-made campaign and i think rightfully so they they give you so the the the, the, the big bad the mission the goal with this book is to stop the cults of elemental evil uh elemental eye or whatever it is yeah from bringing the elemental lords to the material plane and killing a bunch of shit, right? That's mm -hmm. that's the end goal at level fifteen. It that is a very small part of this adventure. Yes, very small part of this adventure. Yes, um, and uh, you know what's more than that, uh, I I I feel like they did not pace it well. Um, expect they expect you to go. 12 le essentially every 10 pages in this book you gain a level miles it's milestones but it's but honestly even if you did the xp leveling and if you like reread this adventure and you did xp leveling purely it actually would work because this book is a just it's a giant fight it's not though it really is it, it's absolutely not and that's part of why i do like the latter parts of the adventure but let's let's kind of stick to the beginning so yeah, we'll try to be linear because there's a lot going on. Here. Uh, so uh, so you're not the, supposed to start at level one, but you can. Tell me more about that. Well, then you have to start in chapter six. That's not linear. We can't well, do that. I'm talking about the linear adventure, not linear book. Oh, 
then you go ahead and tell me about that. So I, I didn't mm, like chapter six. I, I actually was... don't like. I agree with you. I don't like how much um, they they the the writers of this book really want your characters to set themselves up unknowingly for later in the book. Mm-hmm. So level one to level one and two, there is a chapter called uh, excursions, right? Which starts with trouble in Red Larch, I think. And it's just um, full of little yeah. side treks and quests and stuff that players can do in order to get them to level three. That's the whole goal. It's to get them to level three. Mm-hmm. And in theory, set up some plot hooks for level three. That's that's the exact thing. That's what they're really trying to get you to do is to set you up so that you play the game. Which is big. It's a, it is a very big deal. It's a very important that your character, your player's backgrounds have a hook of some kind into the larger adventure here yep. because otherwise it's going to take a lot of work to get them to the cults of elemental evil temple of the elemental eye like it's going to take a lot because you don't start anywhere near that it's going to get it's going to take a lot just to get them to buy into this whole thing yeah i i agree the but the at level three the buy-in is pretty simple you start you start nowhere near the adventure mm-hmm. you say a caravan of merchants and stuff has gone missing. It was going from place X to Z, X to Y. It mm-hmm. shouldn't have taken this long. They're lost. And depending on your character's backgrounds or plot hooks, in theory, they should have some interest in, okay, we're going to go find the missing caravan. And that's it. That's where the adventure starts. It yeah. starts in this really innocuous mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But then it like drops you into a fucking sandbox. Like, here's the world. Maybe they're over there. Yep, that's and that's exactly it. And there's a lot of exploring, and there's a lot, a fucking lot in every chapter, a ton of random encounters. Oh, oh my. And Morning, noon, and night. Right? I I can't stand it. Feels like lazy writing, honestly, to just say, these are all random encounters. Do do them or don't. Your choice. Well, they say your choice a lot because inevitably your characters are going to go off script. This is not a straight path. It's a mm-hmm. very windy path. Yeah. So the random encounters are set up in early and later versions, meaning there's easier ones and harder ones. They they run the gamut from wild monsters to cultists to everything. Excuse me. I'm going to find the random encounters. Now, table. I'm trying to temper my random encounter hating for now because if i don't rip my fucking eyes out and we get into the next adventure it goes to the next level for random encounter so i'm going to temper it right now when we're talking about out of the abyss uh, out of prince of the apocalypse prince uh, yeah prince of the apocalypse yeah out of the abyss uh, is the one that has all the elements so uh, but your random encounters you're checking three times a day and most likely going to get one Yes. Right, yep. and the and you're even rolling on certain tables a d8 plus a d12 instead of a d20, so like mm-hmm. you're, you're it's weighting certain encounters so they're not that random. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they do feel just kind of lazy, just like yeah. okay, you're gonna travel for days mm-hmm. because this adventure spans miles, and thusly you will encounter several fights per day. Yeah, I mean, it's craziness. It's it's pure craziness. Um, 
but I get it. Like there is a lot of travel in this campaign, which is another thing that is um, a bit different. Uh, that early travel, uh, typically you're traveling once you have a quest and you're doing the things that actually advance the story. But in this, you're traveling just to get to the part that you can do that. So, so this, you, you kind of, I don't know if you intentionally said it, but I think Princess of the Apocalypse is not an adventure. Princess of the Apocalypse is a campaign. Yeah. Right? The distinction being, um, I'm not just going to a dungeon solving a problem. This is the in, this is multiple tiers of adventure with multiple plot hooks, side quests, NPCs, you know, negotiation, rivalry, uh, um, retaliation. This is the whole thing. Yes. In um, one. And to that point, uh, it's very easy to see that based off of how they design each chapter. Like you can tell, you know, one and two are your background that, you know, a DM would give some information. You'd get into the world. Three is your tier one into tier two play. Tier four, uh, chapter four is your tier two into tier three play. And chapter five is your tier three play. And it's very perfectly made up that way with the way that they set up the encounters in each one. So from that aspect, I think they did a tremendous job uh, in how they set it up from that respect. So <clears throat> for whatever motivation your characters have, they go into the into the the valley, the Deserin Valley, looking for these people, the caravan. And one way or the other, end up at a haunted keep, one of four. Mm-hmm. And these are places that are old <clears throat> castles built by old civilizations guarding even older civilizations built on top of even older civilizations. And they're no, they're not associated with the cult of elements level, not associated with anything specific except the people who live in them. But at each one, the people who live in them are actually cultists masquerading as something else. Yes. And within each one, in theory, you can rescue some of these caravan people. And this is why I actually like this and say it's not all fighting because each haunted keep literally is presented if the players approach peacefully blah 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 mm-hmm. and they're allowed in yeah and can chat they get invited to a dinner go on a hunt um whatever <laughs> i mean they're welcome to sneak up or attack brashly and fight so they don't have to so w- and with that um and i think that brings up my issue is that yes each one of these places has you know you you can get in there peacefully but there's also this very fine line where peacefully ends and it doesn't seem to take much in any situation in any of the chapters three four or five you know once once you've either a been found out as a person working against the cult or b attack anybody suddenly it's on all over and it only takes um, it only takes you know as soon as you deal with the first keep all the rest of them are alerted to something going on yep and there's a whole segment by segment by segment thing it says if so and so doesn't die here or is alerted here they move to this location they move here they're replaced by this this changes this and even after all this 
Wizards of the Coast printed a like three-page errata for this adventure to correct. Oh no, this person goes here. Oh no, this person goes there. Oh, this person actually was wearing this color. Like every little detail was accounted for in this. I I, I would say unnecessarily even. I feel so bad for the DMs that run this because of how they have to manage the entire world based off of the simplest interactions that the PCs have. Yes. Like as soon as they go in one place and kill this one person, suddenly this, you know, scratch out this part of the book. Okay. This, okay. Now this person's here. If this person's here, this person's there. Okay. If this person got removed, then these three things are here instead. And I can't, I fucking can't mate. Yeah. You have to really read this in advance of playing it, but I do um, you have to I, read this like you have a fucking final in high school uh, on yeah. it. Like you actually give a damn about your grade kind of shit. Um, I do appreciate that the different characters have different personalities. Yeah, love that part. But to to one end, they spend a, a great deal in the beginning of this book describing not the um, princes of the apocalypse who are elemental people, but the elemental prophets, mm-hmm. the guys who have the weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's like one elemental weapon for each of the four core elements who's like the leader of the cult. And they talk about their personality and whatever. And at no time in the adventure will you learn that. (laughs) You will encounter them. They will try to kill you. Someone will die. You will never, ever learn any of the things that they put in here. (laughs) Except maybe, oh, this person likes to crack jokes about whatever. Maybe I can fit that in the encounter. Yeah, right. Like, why did you tell me that he was an orphan and da 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 da? Like, I'm never going to need that information. I, I I appreciate it. That's fun. That's cool flavor. I like reading it, but it's mm-hmm. it, I could you could have saved a page. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you go through these haunted keeps, either peacefully or not. Again, most likely not peacefully, but doesn't have to be. You know, for example, you go into the I think the Earth um keep, the Sacred Stone Monastery. Maybe I don't remember which one it is. The Earth one. Okay. And um, you you can peacefully approach, and they'll let you in. If you peacefully approach and say you have some insider information, like, oh, I know so-and-so, that will make them suspicious of you. Mm-hmm. And they're less likely to let you in peacefully if you know somebody. <laughs> so they, like, they're all on a hair trigger, like, ready to kill you. And actually, that does kind of lend to the best part of this adventure. And the only reason why this adventure actually works from a logical narrative perspective, you know, if all four cults, the cult of, um, what are the four cults called, actually, now that I'm stupid? Um, let's see. Fire, earth, water, and air. Um, yeah. Uh, There's the Howling Hatred, I believe. The crushing wave yeah howling hatred the eternal flame the crushing wave and the black earth black earth yes if they all got together and agreed on shit the world would be over immediately Mm -hmm. but they don't yeah so they're all on a hair trigger because of each other they they fight each other they kill each other because they want their elemental lords to be the one who comes back and you know i'm sure we'll talk more in depth about this but the amount of infighting and then the amount of infighting that you have to keep track of to remember okay as as the dm the party is in the okay they're in the earth keep 
the the but they're in the second level now they're in the temple and in the temple there's actually several of the air group that are here kind of as prisoners kind of not maybe so now if like the now if they fight you know if the pcs kill the earth people do the air people help them out and whoo right there's there's some motivations so you you could use them against each other that's actually built into this yeah yeah when using the cultists against each other when i said that you know the rp is very limited it's very limited for pcs because pcs make one decision real fast and it's over like that that's the thing they're they're fighting they're not but for the dm there's a lot of internal role play that's happening all the time in this game when people make yeah. the people make the the comparison right like oh you play a character you play a character the dm plays every character that's this book you're playing 100%. every character yes yeah. everybody from the delegation the caravan that's missing all the way down to the the brutes that are the guards at the at the you know sky guard tower or whatever it's called it's feather gale spire <clears throat> excuse me the, everything in between going on a, a going on a hunt of um a manticore down I love, to I love the manticore playing the the uh what's imex or irex or whatever the fire elemental is everything so yeah. they they could pick any one of the four haunted keeps to go to and they can see through one way or the other mm-hmm. that it connects to a place sort of lower in the earth an old dwarven city Yes. Um, but usually, what's expected is after they clear the keep out, even if they know that, they'll clear the other keeps out, or they'll go back to town to rest, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, and I think that's, you know, um, a very important part of uh, every chapter. Like, it, it's it's in there. Like, they expect you to rest. They, they don't expect you to stay in the keep. And it very specifically says, and starting in chapter three, you know, if you rest, in the keep, shit's coming for you. Like they're not gonna let you just sleep here, right? Uh, speaking so, of resting, <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, everybody. Speaking of resting, we're not gonna take a break because I want to get through this whole adventure. So we're just gonna plow through it. Um, there's a whole thing dedicated to reprisals, just like yes. in uh, the Rise of Tiamat, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a whole section of cult reprisals, and it says, you know, use your discretion. Except these certain ones happen at specific times, mm-hmm. and these are. The cultists more or less attacking shit and attacking they, the people you care about kidnapping exactly. the people you care about exactly it, and this happens in chapter three and chapter four and i love how personal the book makes it. and i think that's part of why they really force characters to get those hooks in the adventure early so that you have that emotional background so that when the cultists come to your town they take out a devastation orb and they literally just set off a firestorm in your town for the next day you're feeling that when you get there and you see all these buildings in flames. Like that's emotional. That's incredible. Oh my God. So the reprisals happen a lot. It's basically any, basically as an in between any other scene of the adventure, there's a reprisal and, and it makes me feel like, and I haven't read a lot of the adventures that this sense of the bad guys fighting back against you when you're kind of not around mm-hmm. is something that wizards likes to do. The thing that I didn't like about how they had them set up was that the reprisals became very uh, predictable for a PC. Like, there's no surprise in it. Like, I cleared this tower. I need to rest. Well, 
when I get back to town, something bad happened. Well, like, that's no your opportunity there. as a DM to try to mix that up, right? Maybe don't do the reprisal or do the reprisal when they're there or whatever it is. Damn it, man. I'm doing enough already. I know. Let me just make this easy for here. myself. So reprisals happened. You clear out the keeps. You make it to the next level. Next level are the temples of elements. The temple of the elemental eyes is the, is the specific thing, right? Yes. Uh, um, and I actually enjoy uh, the retributions in this chapter more because they are the, the ones in chapter three are meant, I think, to be a bit easier to deal with. Um, and, you know, the party can actually catch the cultists by surprise in a couple of them. And maybe the cultists don't even pull off what they were trying to do. But the ones in chapter four are so much more challenging and they just feel much more appropriate for the story. Yeah, they up the, they up the ante because you're getting into tier two adventure. Yes. So your your faction says shit's happening, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, four elemental cults down in this old dwarven city, and for one reason or another, you have to infiltrate these temples. Maybe you go dressed as a cultist, right? Maybe you just run in and fight. And with that point. I very sweetly want to say that I made a note right here that the fights in chapter four will happen very closely to each other. And there's plenty of sections where it says, if the party fights here, these creatures in this section are alerted and come to help. I don't know how a party could get through a temple as it is written. So there needs to be a lot of DM leniency in this. A couple, maybe a month or maybe two months ago at this point, you recently survived a endless wave fight when entering yes. a mine you fought people more people heard it and cu- it came more people and heard it and came it just kept happening and you barely made it out of there by running away mm-hmm. and i think as a you know hack and slash rip and tear strategy that's just what each of these would look like yes and the only issue with that is uh if you run away and you stay away too long there are rules for reloading the temple <laughs> they do have a finite number of resources they will get people from somewhere else but yes they won't just like oh i guess we're down a man now yes um, um i did appreciate the scale of this because this is inspired by obviously the original return to the temple elements of evil adventure from back in the day yeah, right AD&D, yeah. and they didn't want to just do that again so they expanded on it a lot and obviously, the Temple of Elements Evil had one temple. This mm-hmm. has so many maps, so many maps in this. The book. map game in this book is on point. It really is great maps, detailed maps, expansive maps with not only numbered rooms but lettered numbered rooms because <laughs> there's so many maps. Can I the one, the, the 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 my favorite temple because I know we're moving through this pretty quickly. My favorite temple. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. My least favorite temple is the the Crushing Wave Temple. What, what do they call it? Is temple it, of just the Crushing te- Wave. I thought it had a different name. I can't find it. Anyway, in that temple, somewhere lurking, there's not one possibility, but two possibilities of running into a fucking dragon turtle. Which... <laughs> at this point in the campaign they're probably about level eight nine something like that sure a dragon turtle 13 if 15 it, if it was on land would be a 17 jesus christ in water just walk away and so one of them is in there and i don't remember exactly where one of them is in there as a uh um random encounter 
Uh, and one of them is in there as an actual like thing, an actual thing that is going to try to kill you. Um, and it just when I read that, I'm like, well, fuck you, game. That's just goddamn right. me. You're looking at the canals, right? Random encounter. Yeah. You roll yeah. a d20, seven to twenty, none. So, so you know, thirteen, fourteen out of twenty, you're fine, right? Mm-hmm. But one through six will have a thing. Oh, you know what? I rolled a one. Okay, that's one d4 plus one ghouls. Easy, right? Easy. Easy. Never in my point, life. Yes. I rolled a six. One dragon turtle. One dragon turtle. You know what my favorite part about dragon turtles is? Go get them. The breath weapon. The breath. The, isn't it just steam? It's so so. It's fire damage, right? Because it's steam. So yeah. do you know why? Is my favorite breath weapon? Con save. It's a Constitution saving throw. It's yeah. not a Dex saving throw. Yep. yep. And if you're underwater, you don't get resistance to the fire damage, right? Doesn't still matter. hot. Still hot. Still hot. DC 18. 18. Yeah. For 15 D6 fire damage. Yep. Just, yep. So you're yep. telling me I'm, you know, I'm level eight. Maybe level, maybe, maybe I'm level nine. Maybe I'm lucky. <laughs> and the other I'm thing dead. is that, is that, so, um, it goes in, and if you go to C21 and you actually, so there's a chance that you could A, randomly encounter this. B, there's more of a chance that you will intentionally encounter this if you go to C21, the star the little lake area. Um, and uh, this now, now they do say they do explain in, in C21 that this is a reduced dragon turtle, it's only challenging 13 only, um, because uh, she has less hit points, um, than uh, you 220, expect. yes, instead of the what's the dragon turtle get 400 some, I think 341, yeah, yeah, so. The other thing that uh, uh, they write very specifically in this is that the dragon in its name is Bronze Fume. I like that name. Good name Good for name. a dragon turtle. Um, doesn't actually care about hurting people. It loves killing boats. Loves destroying it boats. Loves destroying boats. And it takes it one to four rounds to destroy a boat that comes into its little lake. So six so, to 25 seconds to destroy a boat. Yeah. So you have a chance to retreat. At that point, when you realize the error of your ways. Yes. So at least there is that. Yes. But again, so. that's like the lake kind of optional area. If you navigate into there, you can skip that if you're if you're lucky. Um, but each temple has something like that, something horrible in it. Oh, yeah. All, all of them have just absurd. Up of just absurd shit. One thing I do love um, is that each... Uh, each temple, each cult uh, has is very, it's very specialized, and each one has knights, and each knight has their own kind of mount. What's your favorite mount? Um, I didn't, I didn't make a favorite mount. I don't know. I love flying. No, no, no. of the four that you could choose from, uh, flying, of course. I'd the flying fly. one, yeah. The, what they have hippogriffs, yeah. Fuck that! I'm getting oh, the bullets? bullet mount. Yeah, yeah. Bullet was my second choice. Time. Bullet was my second choice. Oh, what a cool fucking mount! Yeah. Um, and the way that they they train the bullets is that the person like kind of like hides like it's in a fucking convertible as the bullet burrows, so you can burrow with the bullet. So and I think that's cool. As that shit. is something in the backstory I like because most of these creatures wouldn't willingly be like, oh, "You can be my, I'll be your mount." But the call of Elemental Evil is like. Mm-hmm pulling elemental creatures to it isn't like there brainwashing a them. random fight with a purple worm because of that it's one of these i do not are... remember seeing that detail but i believe you oh no they, there's like isn't there an entire 
purple worm cave with like baby purple worms. I'll look it up, but go ahead. But yes, I agree. Like it's crazy that these things exist because of how crazy this fucking campaign is. So any one of these temples, and this is another thing. They're not all equal in difficulty, right? No. Some of them are harder and easier because there's an expectation that you will encounter certain ones at certain levels, mm-hmm. which is not a guarantee. So you as a DM kind of got to push and pull certain ways. But no matter which one you end with, the the profit of your elemental temple will be there with their weapon. Yes. Um, and that's a fight. You, you can't avoid that one. That's a fight. Okay. Tell me if I misread this it like when you go to when you find the first guy the first temple it's a fight but the second time it's not a fight at all doesn't he summon his guy at that point two of them run away yeah it should be fought later yeah yeah so the last one, one runs one... to summon his guy downstairs yeah so the first one you actually talk to and fight yeah and if you kill it the second one as soon as you come is like well fuck this runs to summon his dude and the other two guys run to deeper into the temples. Yeah, they so you'll you can encounter the other two together, I think. I don't think they're ever together. But you you're not supposed to fight the rest of them on the first level here in the Dwarven City. You're supposed to go deeper into uh the temple of the Elder Elemental Eye. That's what it's called, Elder Elemental Eye. And that is in an old drow cult. Yes, yes, old drow colony, I think. Uh old drow city. It is the fane of the eye and the four elemental nodes from which the cult draw their power. So, <laughs> water node, fire node, earth node, air node. This is basically all fighting at this point. Yep. Cult's on to you. Jigs up. Go Cult, get them. That's a good way of putting it. Cult's on to you. Yep. Excuse me. There's a whole section on after the, fighting the prophets, after defeating one, here, this is perfect. The remaining three prophets receive visions that encourage them to retreat. One prophet of your choice, the DM's choice, relocates to the fane of the elemental eye. That villain um, is going to summon their dude. Oh, wait, no. No. We had it backwards. That guy's beseeching the elder elemental eye for aid. The other two prophets relocate to their elemental nodes and begin to summon their princes. Yeah. The first one of those you encountered, you interrupt it. And the second one successfully summons his elemental. And that's in chapter five then? We are in chapter five, yes. Okay. So, you know, three guys down there, one of whom he's not doing anything good. You can find him and you could kill him. Another one summoning his elemental, you find him, you interrupt it. Maybe. Another one summoning successfully a challenge rating 20 elemental into the game. Yeah, about that, there's, there's in every chapter, a lot of things, we talked about the dragon turtle, but in every temple, in every keep, there is something that is just ridiculously overpowered that I'd be like, well, this game's over, fuck this. Yes, pretty much. The, <clears throat> the fane of the elemental eye connects to the different elemental nodes, which each have their own dungeon, again, their own map. Mm-hmm. but they make a pretty big point of it over and over again that if players make it to the end and fight a Prince of the Apocalypse, like an elemental lord, that they, again, unless they've done some specific stuff, are probably going to lose. 
just just to talk about a couple of the uh, the fun like bad guys that we find in chapter five, especially there's uh, an Abolith in the plunging depths, which a is highly intelligent water monster, a great time. There's a Hydra guard dog. Always, always fun to run into those. And yeah, I mean, fighting any of the evil royalty just seems like a death wish. So ultimately, the entire fight is you trying to get the key slash weapon from the lesser bad guy in this situation now and throwing it into the portal in the hopes that it will return the elemental devil demon person back to their plane. The <clears throat> right. You don't want to fight a you can't. direct thing. You you can't. You cannot do it. Pretty, you will lose. Pretty much. Um let's see. The other thing uh that you find a lot of in chapters four and five, which Makes sense given the elemental campaign, but at the same time, I question how they got there. There's a lot of giants in chapters four and five. I don't know how they got into these tiny little caves and shit. Uh, well, the entrances are vast, and there's if they're coming from the elemental plane, there's portals to the elemental planes. Well, and see, that's the thing that I'm thinking like, are these giants just living on the elemental planes or traversing the elemental planes to get to here? I want to do a little a side note here about. The elemental planes as a reminder for people. Oh yeah, go the go elemental on. plane of Earth is a solid dirt rock thing. There's no sky. There's no up. There's no air. There's nothing up there. You can go up forever, and you will be digging forever. There will be pockets of places where you can go, little caves here, openings there, underwater pools here. But there's no sky. There's no up. Mm -hmm. Elemental plane of water, same thing. There's no surface. Yep. It just is is there's, again same pockets of bubbles cities things like that atlantis here and there there's no there's not there's just water fire fire actually has a, a horizon and a sky but the sky is fire fire and the <laughs> earth is fire <laughs> and then the elemental plane of air that's actually the most habitable one if you entered it you would just be falling you would just be falling eternally mm -hmm. until you hit one of the random floating islands that are there but yep. there's no there's no ground to hit just a floating rock here and there yeah, so unless you, A, know exactly where you're going when you get there, and B, have the best tuning fork in history, don't go. So if something's surviving there, it's already a tough titty, right? Yeah. Like, talking about um, Fire Elemental Plane, the City of Brass is the most well-known location there. It's full of Fire Elementals, Demons, and Genies. Like, that's who lives there. Yes. So when you when we think about giants coming through these portals or whatever coming through these portals, they're going to be tough motherfuckers. Oh yeah. Any giant in general is not easy. I think what I think hill giants are these. Hill giants are the biggest. Four. They're the dumbest ones. Yeah. Yeah. Stone um, giants are generally neutral because good for them. But any you know fire giants, storm giants, they're all challenge rating cloud eight nine minimum. Cloud and storm are in the teens. Yeah. They're up there. Yeah. So, so. you uh. You encounter your first guy. You interrupt the summoning. You're good. Uh, you take his weapon. You throw it through the portal. The portal explodes. You don't have to worry about that um, that elemental lord coming through. Mm -hmm. You find your last one. They're going to get pulled in. If you had to pick one, who would you fight? You know, I was going to ask you the same thing. I know I'm going to go um, pull up their stats right now. <laughs> the only the the note that I made um, was that I mean they're all terrible. Yep. But um, just from my understanding, not only of 
the game, but um, you know, this campaign specifically, I feel like uh Yansi Bin would be the uh the easier the win. Challenge rating 18, right? So not bad. Excuse me. The downside with Yansi Bin is the fly speed. See, no. You say that, but you're wrong. And I'm gonna tell you why you're wrong. Do you know why you're wrong? Why am I wrong? Because the hardest part about Yancey Bin is his legendary action suffocate. I was just reading that. Steals the air from one breathing creature he can see. DC 21 con saving throw. Fail save, drop to zero hit points and is dying. Yes. On every single round of combat, he can kill someone. Well, it costs three actions, so it's only once yeah. a round, but still. Well, yeah, once a round. Again, that's someone. a DC 21. That's real high. Yeah, you're not making that save. So... If you, as a DM, I might use that one time just to show the party that this is going to be a hard fight, but I wouldn't do that every round. That would just be a waste. Correct. You, you can't play these as, you can't metagame these. Yeah, you can't be like, you're trying to win the fight here. You should play um, these as the creatures they are, which means Yancey Bin's intelligence is 16. Mm-hmm. His intelligence the, isn't twenty, right? They're all highly intelligent, creatures. but it's still it's it's not like genius. Any wizard in your party, any wizard in your party, should be more intelligent than Yancey Bin. Yes, at this point, absolutely. So you shouldn't be suffocating every turn. Yeah, you should be and, teleporting on some turns. And I mean, they all have that. Um, Imix has combustion that is a same con save, but for seventy fire damage, nah, and no the big person deal. catches fire. Um, uh, I don't remember what Ogre Mox is. Oh, oh, he creates gargoyles. That's the easiest one. Creates gar. Oh, first of all, Ogre Mock looks cool as fuck. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, he has so many hit points. He that's 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 the hardest part about him is a the absurd absurd amount of hit points and b he I believe I believe I, I have to double check. I think he has the highest armor of all Maul too. Uh, no, he does not. Coming in at twenty, he didn't have the highest. Yan Siban is twenty two. Oh, it's the crazy decks, I bet. Yep. Have thought of Plus that. seven decks. Are you kidding me? Uh, so, yeah. The, the, if I had to pick Plus one... Plus 13 decks save. Fuck that. <laughs> if I had to pick one just on a straight stat fight alone... Yeah. Yan Sibin, right? Yeah, 22, think... 22 AC. Really bad, but the lowest HP of all of them. Um, Just looking at stats, uh, Ol' Hydra has the worst like legendary actions... And their attacks don't actually do that much damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where this one will get you is they get to cast Storm of Vengeance once per day. Uh, and that's unpleasant. So That's in the innate spellcasting, yes. Yeah. And that's on top of Ice Storm several times. Yeah. Right. And Wall of Ice and, you know, just at will Wall of Ice. A six and level spell at will. A slam attack that can grapple up to four targets. Yeah. Right, uh, and then crush them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it, okay. So I, you know, you say like, oh, all Hydra might be manageable. Slam attack plus eleven to hit. It's gonna hit you. Yep. You're grappled. Okay, yep. you're grappled. Yep. Legendary action costs me only one. Crush. That person takes twenty-one damage. Yep. No Guaranteed. save. No nothing. You take twenty-one damage, and I can do that a lot. So each of them is real bad, real hard, challenge rating uh, 19, 18, 19, or 20, right? They can all summon elementals. They all have magic resistance. Their HP's in the hundreds. They all have multi-attack. And when you fight them, in theory, if you haven't done your job right, there's other things around. That That's 
the tougher part. And that's the only reason I say Yancey Bin, because I feel like Yancey Bin's uh, villain, the, the, the cultist yeah. that's running that shit, is the easier one of the four. Yeah, again, yep. that's a whole separate thing of, of strategery that you have to take into account. And frankly, you don't really know without reason. You have no idea. Who you're going to go into. Yep. If I walked into the Temple of Fire, I would probably turn around. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. I would try. I'd probably try to say fire fast. I'm like, okay, fire is gonna be the hardest. I want to be the highest level when I deal with it. But by doing that, I then have to deal with one of the hardest fucking bad guys. Right. <laughs> I don't want to fight Imix. I don't oh want to God. do it. I just don't want to do it. Immune to fire and poison. Condition immunities: charmed, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, restrained. But you're also neglecting. <laughs> he has a fire aura. Well, no, I'm not neglecting anything. I just only got to the condition. You start within 10 feet. If you, if at the start of each of his turns, anybody within 10 feet just takes 17 damage. And if it's flammable, it's caught on fire. Yes. A creature also takes 17 damage if they touch or hit him with a melee weapon. Yeah. Right. So like Jesus Christ, if you have any frontline fighters, good luck. Just don't see. And, um, it's interesting. I, we're getting, I see we're getting near the end. Um, overall, like I had said, this campaign is a, Nightmare for a DM, but honestly, probably a lot of fun for a PC. Honestly, this book is a lot of fun. Magic items, uh, races, spells, um. <laughs> uh, at so many cool things. Monsters, the elemental Myrmidons, the elemental princes themselves. There is, if I was going to spend, what, $50 on a book, on an adventure? Oh, yeah. I think this one is only like 40 I think it's forty nine ninety five originally. It might be less now. Yeah. Um, this is worth your money. Agreed. And I'm, uh, let me think, let me think, let me think. I did not buy this one for anyone. I believe that is incorrect. Did I buy? I did. I think uh, our doctor maybe has Fuck. this. Fuck. No. Some, yes. Somebody has this. Yeah. Somebody has it. I know that. Uh, oh, I think, Walter, I think, uh, I think our barbarian had it. Upon has it. A time because no, he's got Tiamat. Does he? He's got Horde of the Dragon Queen. I know that. Okay. His I know. Um, somebody has the tomb. Anyway. Um, my point is, uh, Yes, I would have loved to have played this one. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Um, I mean, we could still can, any, frankly. Interestingly enough, um, uh, my note on this one, my final note was this. Don't be a fucking wizard or sorcerer in this campaign because your tendency to specialize towards like fireball or lightning bolt will bite you in the ass 25% of the time. That's a good call, actually. Yeah. A warlock would be awesome. Warlock would be awesome. Paladin short would be rest, good. Uh, get it, for all the stuff you get back on short rest. Fighters, um, yeah. Rangers, rogues, and non-elemental focused casters, I think, would be the ones to bring. Yeah, I agree. Fight. Um, bards, clerics, uh, rangers, rogues. Like, especially you want a ranged party for this. Yeah. There's plenty of times that you get stuck in tight places, and maybe the cleric will have to tank. But at the end of the day. There's plenty of huge spaces, and you need to use as much of that as you can. Yeah. Well, I I think uh, again we haven't run this, but we're just reading it. I'd say I'd give it high marks, and I'd love to st- I'd love to hear from people and what they thought of it. Okay. Yeah, if you if you played through this entire thing, let me know because I mean this had to have taken a year and a half to play through. Um. With all the fighting that will happen, I think we'll save our announcement for next week. That's fine. Uh, next week we'll be doing what adventure? Uh, out of the abyss and i think we might actually need two episodes to cover it because of how fucking massive it is oh boy all right make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it follow us on twitter 
Follow us on Instagram. Send us topics you want to hear about at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you're enjoying this series. And as always, we will see you next time. Till then. Goodbye. Thank you.